0: we had a great time yesterday morning considering uh you know um the heart for god's word and i hope you were moved and stirred right we got to proclaim the word of god um and we got to have a heart for for god and a heart for people that was very clear yesterday morning last night we saw how important it was uh to understand the history uh behind how god works in these kind of ministries in bible publishing and we're entering into Um, Really the vision of many others that have gone before Really going back as we were just singing this song You know ancient words I just saw a video today on Wycliffe and his Lollards And and the sacrifice that they uh, had just to to literally hand copy uh, The word of God Voluminous amounts of the word of God And send Lollards out to preach We're really building on that And and the Bibles that we're investing in That go all over the world You can see on the the board And in the back of your uh, handout uh, the, The little booklet that we have uh, what even just this year god has been able to do and we're looking forward to seeing And praying over each and every one of the new testaments that get sent to ukraine uh, We know that uh, if you're an hbf folk, uh, this is a real battle There's a real spiritual war going on and we need to get the word there on time And we're so thankful to be able to partner with bearing precious seed to do that and here in a little bit You're going to be hearing a- about partnerships and in-, in regard how god uses getting the word of God open through these open doors to bring like-minded brothers and sisters together in local New Testament churches, just as we're doing in this conference to accomplish that mission, because it's so much bigger than any one local church ministry. And, uh, and so we're excited about how God is continuing to work in that way. One of the other things that we're introducing tonight that, uh, we really haven't done yet. And we're going to do this every Bible conference is we're going to be focusing on some of the translation projects. So last night on Wednesday, you want to come back for that as we wrap up, it's going to be a great night. Uh, you're going to hear about uh, about translation. Uh, the natural progression as you go and proclaim the word of God to a people group, many of these people groups, the unreached people groups in p- particular, oftentimes don't even have a language. And once they do have a language or a dialect that they're used to working in, uh, oftentimes they don't have a Bible in that language. Uh, as English speakers or Spanish speakers, you know, it, we know that we have a Bible. We're fortunate to have a Bible. There's still many people groups in the world that don't have uh, don't have a whole bible in their language. There's seven thousand, uh, that a little under that now that don't have a, a bible in their own, uh, heart language. So that's an important aspect of accomplishing the great commission uh, is getting the word of God, not just verbally to them, right? Through a translator or whatever, or learning their language and speaking, but ultimately getting them a written word in their hands. So, uh, we, uh, by God's grace has God has put us in contact with various, um, Uh, Translation projects as well and you'll be hearing about one each night tonight I want to introduce you to uh, A project that is uh, you know prayerfully getting started in the Tonga language There's a missionary out of Decatur Baptist which is Pastor Joe McKaig's church uh, Down in uh, Alabama and he is his name is Justin Bedwell he is ministering in the south uh, Southwest corner uh, of of Zambia down near Victoria Falls for those of you that are familiar with um, That part of the world in Africa and uh, they speak the Tonga language. So we've produced Lamba. I think Lamba is listed up here, isn't it, Randy? I think on this. So we've done Lamba. Uh, by the way, that was a translation project that was done here. And we praise God for that opportunity through Brian Calloway to get involved in that and, and Douglas Sakahawa. And so that was a blessing. So there's Lamba dialect. There is the Tonga dialect. We also have worked on Chechewa. So in one country, and I don't know if that's all the dialects. There's probably Bimba. And so there's other dialects. There's other languages and uh, Randy and Julie could speak to it more than I could But the, how precious it is when they get the word of God In their own heart language And what that means to those people So Justin's a missionary there um, And, uh, and he is a, he's a, a brother I've, I know him, I've met him, talked with him He called us up and said Hey brother, you know, could, you, could you assist us with this project? And I said, well we'll pray about it And so that's what we're doing, we're praying This, is, this project that you're going to see is not off the ground yet And so I would ask you to pray You know, we were singing that last song uh, and he talked about the mar, and it talks about the martyrs blood uh, There that is very true when people enter into this translation process uh, There's a lot of price to pay because the devil does not want that to happen So be praying each night as we look at these different projects remember these people remember to pray and to remember that you're a part of this God is using all of us together and word first all the local churches involved in living faith fellowship and, and even broader networks in that To try to accomplish his mission His power for his glory And we're all entering into this labor together And it's quite a blessing So I want you to turn your attention Up here to Justin Bedwell He's going to give us a little bit of information About this Tonga project That they're praying can get started up soon And then when he's done uh, Lance Yoder is going to come and pray
1: Alright, my name is Justin This is Mandy and David And we are the Bedwells
2: And we southern province of Zambia and the Niawa chiefdom. We are church planners and we do that through evangelism, discipleship, and leadership training.
1: Uh, one of our projects that we are working on right now is translating the King James Bible into the Tonga language. Uh, we are praying uh, for God to provide us with uh, 3,500 copies. What our phase one of this project is, is translating the New Testament um, along with the discipleship material in in that uh, version. And then our second phase will be translating the Old Testament and then printing an entire Bible. Uh, the reason we are doing this is the Tonga Bible that we have right now was translated from another denomination and doctrinally it's just very incorrect. And some of the major key doctrines that we would hold true uh, to our faith. That's why God has led us to, to try to do this project of translating it from the King James Bible to the Tonga language. And we would love for you to come alongside and help us do that. Thank you.
3: All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just uh, come to you tonight and we uh, we lift up the Bidwell family and, and what they have going on uh, specifically uh, they're praying to translate the, the King James Bible into the Tonga language. Uh, Lord he, he laid out uh, their plan for doing it and we we would just pray that uh, you would provide him with the people and the resources to uh, to help make it happen and the guidance and the wisdom first to create the New Testaments and discipleship Materials and then uh, the the Old Testament and a complete Bible, and uh, Lord, it's just so important uh, uh, that people have the Word of God that is doctrinally correct, that they can study, that they can know is true, that they can uh, seek, seek you out, that they can get to know you uh, by reading it, by by praying, by understanding the words that are there. Lord, we take it for granted. Uh, that we can we have ready access to it all the time whether printed or electronic and uh, or just burden our hearts and help us understand that much of the world doesn't uh, today have that option and it should it should grieve us but also uh, make us joyful in that we we have the chance to actually participate uh, in the process of changing lives you're you're so amazing that you even let us participate in Jesus name we pray
4: Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight to get involved in continuing the project of making New Testaments for the country of Ukraine. Uh, as Brian already gave you the number, of, but I want to give you a few other pointers. What's in the box? Each box is about 51 New Testaments. And, and so we've got 36 boxes up here. So that, that's where we get to 1,386. But that's not everything. That, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, uh, ready to go to the cutter we have about twenty two hundred New Testaments ready to be cut so that's the work that we'll we'll get started on after the service and work on t- tomorrow not only that but we have scattered around the building if you've taken a walk around any of these rooms we have probably another nine thousand new Testaments in various stages that are waiting to get they'll make their way to the binders uh, I don't know what they're sitting. We have, you know, the library is a staging area for what goes in the binders. I don't think we got to count for that. But I would say there's probably over 1,000 New Testaments just in, this, in the library waiting to be bound. Uh, and so overall, you know, there's probably over 8,000 New Testaments that, that need to be processed, uh, collated, and, and, and moved from one side of the building to the other and out to the cutter. Um, so speaking of the cutter, I do want to make a mention, because we've talked about the cutter for a lot, and uh, what I'm going to ask, uh, we'll have an update on and some instructions for later on. Bob will give those. But I just want to mention, I'm really needing your prayers for the cutter. It uh, It's already failed a couple times since since the start uh, Sunday, and, and I'm just sitting here calculating the downtime this week alone uh, has been over six hours which has cost us over 500 New Testaments being cut, probably more than that, probably because we're cutting them two at a time, probably a 1,000. We could have had another 1,000 already cut if it hadn't gone down for six hours. Doesn't sound like much, but that's a lot of pro- productivity that that is going to back us up a little bit because uh, you guys are moving the Bibles and the New Testaments from one side of the building to the other very quickly. It's awesome to see it happening. But I pray for that. Pray for it. Uh, pray for the trimmer. Cutter, whatever name you want to use, uh, that it uh, doesn't fail anymore. That it just cuts, because that's what it's designed to do is cut. And uh, when it fails, uh, like I was telling them, it, it, you know, a five-minute fix takes three hours. It just takes me at minimum of three hours to do a five-minute fix, just to, to figure out how to how to fix it. And so just pray for that. Uh, and if you want to be involved in cutting, you just you can join us out in the, in the uh, armory. Anytime you're welcome to come out and be a part of the team that is cutting and because uh, we 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 run out of steam pretty fast. At least I do. So um, just kind of think about how how do we get all of this stuff, and think about where all are going. Brian talked about a lot about uh, the need for for Bibles in different parts of the world. And uh, I, can, I can tell you right now that's a very real need. And uh, just imagine, as Brian said, if you didn't have if they didn't have a Bible in their language, they would never know your God. So let's uh let's just do the work.
5: In July of 2020, Mike and Liz Shore took a step of faith and purchased an enclosed trailer. This trailer was to transport scripture signatures from the Bible publisher in Milford, Ohio, to their home church, Grace Baptist of Lee Summit, Missouri. These signatures were needed to continue their weekly Bible assembly ministry. Within a month, Seeds of Grace Transport was born. The Shores were now responsible for supplying a Bible distribution center in Oaxaca, Mexico. In January of 2021, the first semi-trailer load shipped. They immediately had a request for two more loads of scripture for distribution in Campeche and San Luis Potosi, Mexico. God was expanding the ministry at an incredible rate. They had already outgrown their truck and trailer within six months. Shortly thereafter, their youngest daughter Chloe was killed in a car accident. Mike and Liz felt the urgency to get the Word of God to people like never before. Within weeks they left the corporate world, sold most of their possessions, and were sent out as full-time missionaries. In their first 12 months of full-time ministry, God opened the door in seven Mexican states for Bible distribution and gave them the opportunity to ship eight semi-loads containing nearly 20 million pieces of Scripture Including whole Bibles, New Testaments, John and Romans, discipleship material, and gospel tracts. These shipments support the scripture needs of over 5,000 ministries and pastors in Mexico and beyond. God has extended the opportunity for them to support many ministries here in the United States as well. Some of these ministries are serving people here in the U.S., while others are shipping scripture. In multiple different languages to Europe, Asia, and Africa, we pray that God will continue to open doors in the United States and around the world. Please prayerfully consider partnering with us in this vital ministry. There are three ways you can help. pray. Prayer is crucial, and we would greatly appreciate your prayers for each aspect of this ministry. Provide. Financial donations of any amount help make this ministry possible produce. Organize a Bible project at your local church to assemble Scripture. The need for Scripture is great. There are hundreds of millions of people without a Bible and without hope. Please join us in providing the Word of God to prepared hearts for the salvation and sanctification of soul.
0: Well, Mike and Liz wanted to be here tonight, uh, but they are not able to be with us. Uh, uh, Liz's father has is fallen ill, and uh, and so uh, they are attending to him. Uh, and it, I think it's it could be a terminal situation, as I understand it. So be praying for them, as uh, they really did want to be here. They send their regards and their love. And uh, they sent their pastor. So your speaker coming right up, Brad Nelson uh, of uh, Grace Baptist Church in Lee Summit is their pastor. And God has uh, used uh, seed uh, seeds of grace to just help with transportation uh, for our ministry at times and ministries all over the country. I know a Brother Money could tell you about uh, the help that they provided for Bearing Precious Seed and First Bible and and all, a lot of different churches across uh, the country. So God's really blessed that ministry. I would say probably above and beyond what they could ask or think. And now they even have a warehouse for staging and, and uh, down in Lone Jack. And so God is just really doing a good work there. So uh, it's important to have partnerships. You know, many years ago, I used to uh, uh, be a part of a ministry at our local church uh, that ministered at City Union Mission. And we had a whole team of preachers. We had a, whole, we had a lot of things going on at that, min, at that, at that location down at 10th and Truce. But the reality was if we didn't have someone driving the van every week... To go pick people up that need to come to our church, where they could get plugged into the body of Christ. Really, a lot of our efforts efforts were in vain, uh, because you have to have that that component, those hands and feet that really make things happen. Uh, same thing with the Bible. We can preach about sin in the Bible, but we got to put Bibles together, right? We can pack up these Bibles, but we got to ship them. And so, there's all kinds of different components and parts to uh, getting the Word of God where it needs to go on time. And we're so thankful to have partnerships uh, with other ministries, but also with other like-minded local churches, and so uh, I want to introduce you to Pastor uh, Brad Nelson. Uh, for those of you at the marriage conference, you were able to hear Pastor Brad and his wife Carrie uh, from Grace Baptist Church of Lee Summit. Uh, I have known them almost as long as I've been saved, and so they they got saved and discipled at Kansas City Baptist Temple many years ago, just like we did. And uh, and I've known them and watched them from afar as he served in New Jersey. Uh and faithfully and then has come and he joined the ministry down here in Lee summit at grace baptist many years ago And now is the senior pastor Uh he under his leadership he and carrie have continued to to really have a a a world vision Uh for you know getting the word of god where it needs to go and they like us are involved in publishing the word of god And so they've been a real real partner uh, and a real friendship has developed between our churches Sharing resources sharing uh, you know needs They're, they're Right now, they're in a project. I don't want to steal his thunder, but they're they're processing Elango, uh Bibles. Uh, and uh, Terry, uh, we talked about Terry yesterday. Terry um, uh, Ogle is in the Philippines, so he's sent from their church, and so they are engaging in the ministry uh, just like we are. And so these Philadelphian partnerships are so important, and it's based off of the Word of God. When we put the priority on God's Word, He opens doors and He builds relationships between uh, individuals and local New Testament churches that uh, the devil just can't stop by God's grace. So I'm excited to be able to introduce to you Brad Nelson. He's going to come and preach to his brother. Come up and preach the word.
6: Wow, got a little fancy uh, cup holder right there. Look at that. Big time up here. How are you? Good to see everybody tonight. Thanks for coming out. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. What a privilege, and thank you for coming out on a Monday night to uh, put Bibles together and be part of the service here tonight. As I said, it's a real blessing to be here at Heartland. i uh, known Brian for a long time. It's been a blessing in my life uh, to get uh, reacquainted with Brian over the last several years and uh, redevelop a relationship. He's been a blessing to me personally and to our ministry in, in Lee Summit. And so we, we, uh, we don't take this for granted. We're thankful to be here, and, and uh, it's so nice to see each and every one of you. You know, as Brian mentioned, uh, all the Bible publishing that goes on uh, within the ministries at our churches, or at Bearing Precious Seed, or the ministries surrounding those churches and other ministries, it's a partnership. It's a partnership between uh, like-minded organizations, like-minded uh, like-minded churches and like-minded believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that partnership, that cooperation is so important. In fact, none of that could happen. I was admiring the board up here and, and seeing the 21,089 total books and Bibles put together over the past year uh, by your ministry here. And that's, that's just amazing. But that involves thousands of man hours to make that happen. I mean, it's an incredible investment, and it doesn't just poof happen overnight. It, it requires a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of people pulling the same direction. And I love that about the body of Christ. I love the cooperation. I love the partnership that we have as fellow believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up playing athletics. What do you, what do you think my sport was? Let me let you guess. Hey, there you go. Basketball. That's exactly right. I played a little basketball in my day, and I loved, I loved basketball, but I think what I enjoyed most about basketball was the, the teamwork, was, it was a group of guys that were in it together, they're, they're working together for a common cause, and, and I, I was part of some really good teams when I played, and the best teams that I was on were people who understood their role, and again, had a... A common objective, they knew what we were trying to achieve, and everybody was pulling that same direction. I've been on some bad teams, too. And one of the things that made the te- those teams bad was when people would start with their own agenda. They wanted their own points. They, they wanted to be in the limelight. They, they, they wanted to do it a different way than everybody else was doing it. And that never goes well. We need that partnership. We need that cooperation. And the same is true in the body of Christ. We're all members, but God has placed those members in the body according as it has pleased Him. And He's given each of us as a believer in Christ a role, something that He desires for us to do. And we need to fulfill that role so that the body can function at maximum, so that we can achieve the goal that God has for us. There's great power, there's great synergy in that in the body of christ and what a blessing to be allowed to be a part of that quite frankly the fact that god would even allow us to be a part of that is an incredible blessing what an honor that god has given to us to be part of that you know the verse that is the theme verse for the conference is found in the book of psalms psalm 68 and verse 11 it simply says the lord gave the word Great was the company of those that published it. Great was the company of those that published it. It goes back to what I just said. It takes a, a tremendous amount of uh, manpower, woman power, believers' power, in order to publish the Word of God and strive to get that word into the hands of men and women around the world that desperately want to know God as their savior or grow closer to him as disciples of Jesus Christ. And these partnerships that are formed within the body of Christ with like-minded believers are so essential to that task being performed. I know Bearing Precious Seed has had representatives here this week. And what a what a tremendous uh, blessing that ministry has been to so many churches around the country and around the world. I had the opportunity uh, just a few months ago back in uh, early 2022 to visit uh, Bearing Precious Seed. And I hadn't been there uh, throughout my entire time in the ministry. God just not, uh, had just not opened that door for me to do that, but I finally got to go over and, and visit that ministry. And uh, Al gave me a tour and saw all their new presses and all the incredible things that are happening there uh, at that ministry, these massive rolls of paper, Weaving through these huge presses and pumping out Bibles, and it 's just an incredible operation. But you know the thing that impressed me the most was their little uh, museum, if you will. It really is just an enclosed uh, piece of glass that has the original mimeograph machine in it uh, that started with I don't remember the brother's name it's some, uh, some dear saint, uh, faithful brother uh, sitting under a, a as they described it to me, a, a staircase in the church just turning that handle remember the old mimeograph machine some of you with gray hair you remember the mimeograph you know the purple print that came off the mimeograph and you'd smell it that that freshly printed mimeograph that's how that ministry started you realize that that's amazing to me i love that part of that story one faithful brother sitting under the stairs and then decade after decade after decade passes and here they are with these Huge presses printing page after page after page of the Word of God. And now they're being a blessing to other ministries and other believers in Christ. You know, we've, we've partnered with them. I know you here at Heartland have partnered with them and, and they've supplied scriptures and they've done conferences and they do that all around the nation, all around the world in these different churches. And, and then you have an organization uh, like uh, Seeds of Grace Transport, which Mike and Liz Shore uh, have started. The video we just saw. What, a, what an amazing uh, story that they have where God has just, in the recent months, raised them up. And, and, and that whole thing just started with me making an announcement in a Wednesday night Bible study. Hey, uh, we, we want to do the Scripture ministry, but we're having trouble organizing transportation from Milford, Ohio, to our church. And Mike was like, well, I can do that. And now God is exploding that where He's running all over the nation hauling Scriptures and, and supplying the Word of God into parts of the country and even uh, down into different parts of Latin America. It's an incredible thing. But Bearing Precious seed is, is ministering to churches and Mike and Liz are, are, are transporting those scriptures from, from Milford to other places around the country and then those are making their way down into haulers near the Mexican border and then they're being loaded on the semis and hauled down into Oaxaca, Mexico. And then Joe and Amy Hendricksman, who I know you guys know, are, are there. They're unloading them and, and they're passing them out. As fast as they can get them off the truck, they're passing them out and they're going into all the parts of Mexico and down into Latin America and those pastors are giving them out to people that they're winning to Christ and people that they're discipling and and I remember talking with Joe I've heard him say this numerous times when they went down into Mexico uh, uh, a scripture ministry wasn't even on his radar he wasn't even thinking about doing that and now God is absolutely exploding it what is this? well these are these Philadelphian partnerships if we could refer to them that way These partnerships between ministries and churches and missionaries and transportation ministries and all of it working together in cooperation, in concert. Again, pushing and striving toward a common goal. Ultimately, that goal is to see God glorified. I love that about the body of Christ. But these Philadelphian partnerships that I'm describing to you this evening, are between Philadelphian organizations or Philadelphian churches. But here's here's what I don't want us to forget. In fact, this is where we're going to spend a a great deal of time this evening. Those churches, those Philadelphian churches, those Philadelphian organizations are only as good as the Philadelphian members that make up those organizations. In other words, it requires philadelphian type believers to fuel those organizations so that they operate the way that god intends them to and so maybe you're here this evening and you don't really know what i mean when i say philadelphian partnership or philadelphian church or philadelphian believer that comes from the book of revelation in fact i would invite you to turn there with me if you would this evening just go ahead and turn over to uh revelation chapter three And what I'd like to do this evening, if I could, is, is compare and contrast two churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. John writes to seven churches in total in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, but the last two that he addresses are the church at Philadelphia and the final one is the church at Laodicea. So I want to lay those two churches side by side tonight and compare and contrast some of the character qualities of each of those churches. And maybe that, in comparing those things, will be challenged in our own heart to see what type of believer in Christ am I? Am I a Philadelphian believer? Or am I a Laodicean believer which group do i fall into and maybe collectively those of you that are part of heartland could say well which kind of church are we are we a philadelphian church or have we slid into that laodicean uh, frame of mind i as a pastor i know some of our folks are here tonight We have to ask ourselves the same question. I I know from talking with a few people around the room, you're from different churches around the area, you have to ask yourself, where do I fall? Where does my church fall? Because I think God would have us all to be Philadelphian-type believers. But, here's the challenge, we live in the Laodicean church age. We live in that seventh church age. And so there's going to be a continual tug at our heart Towards Laodicea. And we've got to fight. We've got to push. We've got to strive to be part of that Philadelphian group of believers. And it's a continual battle in our life. So we're going to look at that tonight. But before we do any of that, I think it's important that we pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We come into your presence this evening, first of all, rejoicing and thankful for the opportunity to be counted worthy to be part of your mission. Lord, we rejoice in the work that's been done already this week. We thank you for the scriptures that have been assembled. We thank you for the faithful men and women that have turned out to be part of that process. Lord, we do pray over the equipment. We pray for its Uh, that it would work well, that it would uh, run and operate, that uh, we wouldn't experience any further delays in production. We pray that this project could be completed in a timely fashion and you could be glorified because of it. Lord, we pray over these scriptures. These aren't just words on a page. It is the Word of God that's being assembled And Lord, we pray that it would make its way into the hands of men and women that desperately need to know about Jesus, that need to know that there's a God in heaven that loves them and has a plan for their life. They need to know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to know and be armed with the equipment that they need to follow you faithfully. And so we pray for these scriptures that they would find their way into their hearts and into their hands. Lord, we pray for these partnerships. Lord, we lift up the ministry at Bearing Precious Seed. Lord, we pray for our our brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of like-minded churches that are involved in the publishing of the Word of God. Lord, we know that uh, in our small circle, there's a number of them doing that, but even beyond that, we know that there are are thousands of, of churches, I'm sure, that are involved in putting out the Word of God. I pray for them all, Lord. I pray Your blessing upon them and that You would continue to ignite that fire in them to fulfill that mission of producing the Word of God. Lord, we pray for the ministries that are involved in transporting Scripture. We pray for the ministries that are involved in distributing. We pray for the missionaries who have a heart to see the Word of God sown into the lives of men and women that they're ministering to. Lord, please bless them. Finally, Father, we ask that You would please do a work in our heart tonight. Lord, I know many here have been working hard. I know their their bodies are tired. But Lord, we pray just for a few moments that you could stir our spirit and give us a heart soft and sensitive to what you would say to us. Clear our minds of all the distractions, whether that's something with our family or something to do with work or even thinking about that cutter that hasn't been running well. Help us to set all of that aside and focus on you, because at the end of it all, it's all about you anyway. And so we pray that you would please speak to us tonight and be glorified through that. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you've found your way to Revelation chapter 3, as I said, we see the 6th and 7th church that John writes these letters to. We see... Him speaking to the church at Philadelphia, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3, and then the church at Laodicea in the 14th verse of Revelation chapter 3. And we're just going to bounce back and forth between these two churches, and we're going to see some of the things that God says about them. again, in our our task, your task tonight, as I'm going through this, is to be asking yourself, which camp do I fall into? Which one of those descriptions better describes me and my relationship with the Lord? Which one of these descriptions best describes the church that I'm a a part of? Is it Philadelphia or is it Laodicea? Let's start with Philadelphia. Let's just talk about the name. That's a name that I think probably most of us are familiar with its meaning. We have a city out on the East Coast. I lived about 50 minutes from that city when we were in New Jersey. Philadelphia, I'm sure if I asked the question tonight, what does the word Philadelphia mean? Most of you could probably answer that, couldn't you? It's the city of what? Brotherly love. That's what Philadelphia means. It means brotherly love. Uh, a love between two brothers or sisters in Christ. A brotherlike love. And you know what? In order for us to love one another the way God intends for us to love one another, that requires God's involvement, doesn't it? It's a supernatural thing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't like my brothers and sisters in Christ very much. Am I the only one honest enough to admit that tonight? No one in the body of Christ has ever done or said something to you that caused you to go, whoa, We've all been there before. It's okay to admit it. But we love through that because that's what God asks of us. And he's the one that provides the strength supernaturally for us to do that. He gives us the ability to love one another with a godly type love. And it's that brotherly love that we have for one another that flows from our love for the Father if I'm not loving God the way that God desires for me to, then I'm never going to love my brothers and sisters in Christ the way God calls me to. Jesus Himself talks about this great commandment that God has given to us as His followers. He says in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 that the first commandment is that we would love the Lord with all of our hearts. Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. So what's our primary responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ? It's to love the Lord. With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, with everything I've got, I'm to love God. That's my number one priority in life. But Jesus goes on and he gives a second commandment that's related to the first. In fact, he says in verse 39, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So all the laws of the Jewish law hung on these two principles. Love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. But I'll never be able to do the second one if I'm not doing the first one. But if I'm doing the first one, then naturally, supernaturally, what flows out of that is me having the ability to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. It involves loving God, it involves loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. I think it also involves me loving the Word of God. How many of you this evening would say, I love God's Word? pretty good didn't get the entire crowd we'll talk after but if i don't love the word of god i'm never going to make any effort to really put that into the life of somebody else i'm never going to give them my time or my money or my talent in order to make sure that these boxes make their way over into europe i'm not going to do that if i don't really love it but i gotta tell you this book changed my life it really did and i'm sure many of you would give a similar testimony i was far from god i had no interest in god i was living for self doing what i wanted to do and then one day this book came into my life and i came to know christ as savior and i was forever changed i love this book it's my bible and i know what it did in my life and i want to see it do that in the lives of somebody else and so because I love God, and I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love the Word of God, and then that naturally results in me loving those people who don't know Jesus. I love them, and I don't even know them, but I want them to have the Word of God at their disposal. This is a Philadelphian-type love, a brotherly-type love. But what about Laodicea? What are they about? about? Well, I think if we laid it beside Philadelphia, which is brotherly love, we might describe Laodicea as being self love. Laodicea means rights of the people. And so this is a church that was consumed with themselves. It wasn't really all that concerned with what was going on in the lives of people around them or what somebody else's needs were. This is. What's best for me? What's in my best interest? That's not supernatural. That's natural. I hate to break this to you. This may come as a shock to some of you. But you are, by your very nature, selfish. And so am I. All of us are. If I'm left to myself, you know who I want to please? My wife. No, I... I want to please me. I'm interested in what's best for me. I'm interested in what I want. I'm interested in seeing my will done. That's Laodicea. That's rights of the people. That's where we all go to in our default. That's where our nature lies. I don't know if those of you that are parents, maybe you can relate to this. I have two children. They're both grown now. They're both adults. But I remember when they were young, and, and we had a play date. Some of their friends came over. And my son Drew was a young little guy and had all his toys out there. And the little friend comes over and picks up one of his toys. And my son Drew walks over to him and quickly yanks the toy out of his hand. And he says those words that every parent hates to hear. That one word,
2: mine.
6: Now you may not believe this, but my wife and wife and i we didn't teach him to do that we didn't pull him aside one day and say hey drew okay here's what's going to go down little johnny's going to come over and he's going to want to play with one of your toys and as soon as he does i want you to go over and i want you to pull it out of his hands and i want you to say mine we didn't do that that was his default mode he knew that internally it was part of his hardwire. He's selfish. He wants what he wants. And that's Laodicea. My rights. My desires. My needs. What's best for me? My ministry. My will be done. You see the contrast? Philadelphia is concerned with loving the brethren. With loving people. With loving the word and pouring that into the lives of others. Laodicea is concerned with self, self self-love. Let's look at another thing. If you're still in Revelation, look at Revelation chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 8. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. Let's first see the works of the church in Philadelphia. God says this, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. We'll talk about that in a moment. And no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. So he mentions three things here about the works of the church in Philadelphia. The first thing he says is, I know that thou hast little strength. Now that doesn't sound like a compliment, does it? That almost sounds like a a slam. Hey, I know you guys are not very strong. But I think it is a compliment. He's looking at them and he's saying, listen, you don't bring much to the table. You, ain't, you don't have much to offer. You got little strength. But that's never the issue with God. My ability is not part of the equation. My intellect isn't the issue. My physical strength isn't the issue. How much money I have isn't the issue. You see, whether I have a lot or a little, it's nothing in comparison to what God brings to the table. And so as he looks at the church at Philadelphia and he says, you got a little strength. God understands that when we are weak, He is strong. Sometimes when I think I'm strong, I get in God's way. You know what you get when I try and do things in my own power and ability, my own intellect, my own reasoning, my own talents? You get what I can do. But when I realize that I don't really bring much to the table, but I serve a God who brings it all to the table. Then I get what God can do. And so as he's looking at this church in Philadelphia, he's saying, you guys aren't very strong. That's never an issue. Not only that, he does tell them, hey, thou hast kept my word. Thou hast kept my word. Now when we use that phrase to keep something, we would say maybe I kept the law. It means I adhered to it. I followed it. I obeyed it. And that's not a wrong way of thinking about that, but I think here it has more, uh, a, a broader meaning than that. I think it has to do with watching over something, guarding something, taking care of something. Do you realize that we, listen, we as the church of God have been given the responsibility of being keepers of the word of God? Not just listening to it and obeying it. Absolutely you should do that. But we are to safeguard it. We are to make sure that it's kept safe and pure and given out to as many people as we possibly can. And he's looking at this church at Philadelphia and he's saying, you guys did that. You don't have a lot of strength, but you kept my word. And then notice, finally, the third work he mentions is, and thou hast not denied my name. Again, I think they're mostly... Concerned with who God is, what he brings to the table. He is the great Yahweh. He is God Almighty. He is all powerful. It wasn't about their name, it was about his name. What a contrast that is to the church at Laodicea. In fact, look just for me, it's just across uh, on the same page, just across in the next column. Look at that. Look in uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. He says to this church too, hey, I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. We'll come back and deal with that in just a moment. 17, I want you to see this. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Now he says to the church at Philadelphia, you guys have a little strength, and you've kept my word, and and you've not denied my name, but this church at Laodicea, he looks at them and he says, I know your works too. And he begins to talk with them about the fact that they're rich, and they're increased with goods, and they have need of Nothing. By the way, that need of nothing also means no need for God. I got everything I need. What do I need you for? I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I don't have need of anything. And that includes God. And I think that that description is pretty appropriate for the Western church. We're meeting here this evening in a beautiful facility by God's grace. God has given this ministry and other like-minded ministries thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of equipment. I feel pretty safe in saying, I bet not many, if any, people here this evening came tonight hungry, wondering where your next meal is coming from. If you do, there's a bunch of pulled pork, I'm sure, in the kitchen left over. It was delicious. By world standards, we in the Western world are rich. But here's here's the danger. When we find ourselves in that place of being rich and increased with goods, we fall into the danger of, of what I call the danger of plenty when all of our needs are met our tendency is to forget about God in fact let's quickly look at a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 11 Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 here God is warning the nation of Israel as they're as they're uh, preparing to enter into the promised land they've been wandering in the wilderness for years and years and years decades And they're about to enter into that promised land. And he gives them a warning as they go in. And he he begins to talk about their houses. Look at verse 11. And houses full of all good things, which thou filledest not. You didn't fill them up. And wells digged, which thou diggest not. You didn't dig the wells. Vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten, Look at it, and be full. Verse 12, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And so he's warning the nation of Israel, listen, you're going to go in there and you're going to have houses you didn't build them. You're going to drink out of wells you didn't dig them. You're going to eat from vineyards and crops that you didn't plant. And you're going to eat to the full. And then he says, Beware when you're full because the tendency is going to be to forget me because I'm the one that gave you all of that. And the same warning is extended to us. Sometimes we come to Christ. In that moment of need, we trust him as Savior. We were maybe uh, destitute. Maybe we were addicted. Maybe our marriages were falling apart. Maybe it was just nothing more than, man, I realize I'm a sinner and I don't want to go to hell. And we t- cried out to God. We trusted Jesus as Savior and he saved us. And we became hungry for the Word of God, thirsty for the Word of God. And we began to eat and we began to drink and we began to partake and we started to grow. But if we're not careful, the tendency can be to forget the God who saved you and gave you his word, and then you become unconcerned about other people who need what you have. This is the church at Laodicea. Need of nothing. Need of nothing, including God. Simply doing things in the power of the flesh. God knew their works. Not only that, let's go back to Revelation chapter 3 and look at verse 10. He says of the church at Philadelphia, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And so he tells them, because you've kept my word, I'll keep you from temptation. What a promise. What a blessing. That God would say to us, because you are keeping my word, not only in obedience, but watching over it, then I'm going to be there to protect you and deliver you in that moment of temptation. But let's contrast that with what he says to the church at Laodicea. Look at verse 17. He says, "...because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked." He says to the church at Philadelphia, you've kept my word, I'll keep you from temptation. But then he says to the church at Laodicea who kept the world that they'll fall into self-deception. I don't know about you, but for me, verse 17 is one of the more scary verses in this entire text. He says to the church at Laodicea, you're rich, you're increased with goods, you have need of nothing, and you knowest not. You know what that is? Self-deception. They've deceived themselves into thinking that there's something that they're not. They're looking at their material abundance and they think they're right with God. They think they're doing the work of God. And they don't even realize that they're poor and miserable and blind and naked, spiritually speaking. That scares me to death. To think that I could be going through the motions of my Christian life increased with goods. I'm going to say this. It's going to sting. I know it's going to sting because it stings me. Worshipping at the altar of comfort and not even realizing that spiritually you're destitute. Thinking you're right with God but being far from God. That's Laodicea let's continue look at verse 11 back to philadelphia verse 11 says behold i come quickly hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown first of all i want us to see in verse 11 that this church operated with urgency god is saying to the believers in Laod- at, at philadelphia i'm coming back quickly i'll be back soon did you know that jesus christ could return at any moment does that excite you at all at least like a few people down here got a little fired up about that do you really believe that do you really believe that any moment that trumpet could sound and we could all be raptured out of this place and go home forever hallelujah praise the lord that that would happen right now in this moment do you really believe that then why don't we live with the urgency that it could happen at any moment why don't we live like this could be our last moment on this planet Why do we just keep going about the motions like we're going to live forever in this place? That he's, yeah, he might come back or he might not. They've been saying that forever. But see, we have to realize that there's an urgency at hand. Even if he doesn't come back, I don't know about you, my life is flying by. Yesterday, I was 18. <laughs> I'm not anymore. Some of you laughed way too hard at that. Take it easy now. It goes fast. It goes real fast. God expects us to live life with an urgency. His return is imminent. How'd you like to be back there running that binder, man? And all of a sudden that trumpet sounds and the last thing you did on this planet was run that last Bible through. Beats smoking a cigarette in the parking lot. You blow that smoke in God's face. That's not good. We ought to be about God's business. We ought to be about God's business. We ought to be redeeming the time that he's given us. Time is your most precious commodity. Your most valuable possession is the time that you have. You know why? Because you could never get more of it. Once it's gone, it's gone. The phrase, I'm saving time, is a fallacy. You can't save time. It's the most precious thing you have because it's what your life is made up of. Time. And you get to choose how you're going to spend it. And if you are a normal person, you spend about a third of it asleep. Eight hours a day. Oh, I'd love to get eight hours. But let's just say, eight hours a day, you you spend that sleeping. For those of you that have full-time employment, you probably spend another third of it doing that. At least five days a week. You think, yeah, that'd be nice. I wish I could only work eight hours a day so what's that give us another third what are we going to do what are we going to do with it we have to spend it with an urgency redeeming the time now let's contrast that with laodicea look at verse 15 i know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot i would that thou wert cold or hot so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will spew thee out of my mouth what's the character quality that describes them philadelphia was urgency you know what laodicea is apathy apathy eh gospel jesus came lived died rose again eh. heard it bible Contains instructions for life? Shows me who God is and how to know him. Yeah, but look at that's a big book, man. Got no time for that. Eh. I hate apathy. Apathy is just, eh, whatever. Isn't that the catchphrase for the modern age? Yeah, whatever. That's apathy. Whatever. But you know what, I've never met anybody yet. I've met some apathetic people, and I'm sure you have. If you haven't ever met one, you probably are one. (laughs) I've met some apathetic people in my life, but I've never met anyone that's apathetic about everything. They're fired up and zealous about something. Might be their favorite sports team. Might be their pra- favorite video game, might be a particular food or restaurant that they like to go to. Oh, you gotta have this! Oh man, did you see that Chiefs game yesterday? Mahomes was slinging it, man. Did you see that? Oh, I gotta, I'm about to get the high score. Come on! They're fired up, zealous. Hey, let's go to church and let's put Bibles together. Eh, whatever. Apathy, lukewarm. God says, man, either get hot or get cold, but stop sitting there being lukewarm. Ever pick up a mug that was filled with coffee that you were expecting to be piping hot and you took a drink and it was room temperature? (sighs) Horrible. Ever pick up a cup of water that you thought, oh, it's ice cold? and you took a sip, and it was room temperature.
3: Whether
6: it's hot or whether it's cold, listen, whether it's hot or whether it's cold, the moment you set that cup down, it starts moving towards the middle. It starts moving toward lukewarm. You and I, left to ourselves, you know where we naturally start moving toward? Lukewarm. You've got to fight to stay hot or cold you got to fight you got to keep that zeal that fire that god gives us no apathy notice also in verse 11 chapter 3 and verse 11 it says behold i come quickly hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown you see there was a reward associated with the church at philadelphia there was a crown that they had earned for their service to the lord he says be careful so that that doesn't get taken from you you see this is a church that was concerned with the true riches eternal riches they were not looking for a payoff here on this earth they're looking for the payoff in eternity to be rewarded for a life of service a life well-lived A a, a life that longed to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And have him place that crown on your head. What a contrast to the church at Laodicea. Look, Look at verse 17 again. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And then he says in 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see he says you're rich and increased with goods need of nothing but you're poor and wretched and miserable blind and naked but then he gives them the counsel to buy gold and buy clothes and anoint your eyes what is he talking about he's not talking about physical things he's talking about spiritual things He's talking about eternal things. And he says you need to do that or else you're going to stand someday before God in the shame of your nakedness. Are you comfortable with that? Are you willing to stand in the presence of your Savior? Unclothed with the works of righteousness? Not talking about your salvation. Jesus took care of that. There's no fear of losing our eternal life. But we can lose rewards. You've got to ask yourself the question Is the way that I'm living my life now, when I get there, am I comfortable with how I'm going to appear before my Savior? Am I good? Am I am I going to be crowned or am I going to be naked in his presence with nothing to bring to offer him to say, here, I did this for you and for you alone? You've got to ask yourself, are you comfortable with that? If you're, if you're sitting here this evening and you say, no, I'm not. I'm not where I need to be. Then make the changes that you need to make. Make the adjustments in your life. You don't have to stand there in the shame of your nakedness. You can do something for the Lord. You can begin working for Him. Laying up treasure in heaven. This gold, this gold that He talks about that's tried in the fire. The the white raiment that you can be clothed. uh, You can have a vision and anointed eyes so that you can see what God wants you to do. Look at verse 9. Look what he says here about Philadelphia. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. But do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. Check this out. And to know that I have loved thee. This is the church God loves. This is the church God loves. He loved them, he says. But what about the church at Laodicea? Look at verse 16. We looked at it a little bit already. Look at it. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This is the church that makes God sick. I didn't say it. He said it. <laughs> makes him sick. That lukewarmness, that apathy. He loves the believers in Philadelphia because they were doing the work of the Lord with zeal and urgency. They were crowned with the crown. They were keeping his word. They weren't denying his name. And he says, I love them. The church at Philadelphia or the church at Laodicea, he says, because you're lukewarm, I want to spew you out of my mouth. It makes me sick. We don't want to be that. Nobody here wants to be that. Now, the church at Philadelphia, if you read through the the text that we're looking at tonight, one thing you're going to notice is God never really chastens them. There's no correction that God makes in that text toward the church at Philadelphia. What a compliment. But then notice what he says about the church at Laodicea. And and if we're here tonight and we're thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm I'm in the Laodicean camp. Uh, Maybe we should take heed to this this evening. Look at verse 19 with me, if you would. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He says to this church at Laodicea, because he loves them, he rebukes them. You know, God loves us too much to watch us just waste our lives. So sometimes God, like a loving parent, will just give us a little rebuke. Hey, what are you doing? Stop that. He'll, he'll rebuke us in love. He'll chasten us in love. And notice, notice what he tells this church to do. He says, be zealous, therefore. Stop being apathetic. Be zealous and Repent. Well, that's not a word we like much anymore these days, is it? That's not very nice, Pastor Brad. I'm not a very nice guy. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm super nice. But you still need to repent. <laughs> if we find ourselves living a life of apathy, yeah. No zeal for the things of God. If we find ourselves being overcome with the things of the world, more excited about the things of this life than we are about the things of the eternal life, if we find ourselves more concerned with self and what makes me happy and what's pleasing to me than we do, how we can pour the Word of God into the life of somebody else, then there may be a need in your life to turn, to repent, to get that right and become zealous to give God everything you've got, to lay it all down for him. Now, so- sometimes we think that that zeal is loud and obnoxious and big and gregarious and woo that's zeal. And it can be. You may not know this about me, some of you won't, but out of the pulpit, I'm a pretty quiet guy. I'm kind of reserved to myself, just quiet, an introverted personality. But what you don't see is what's in here. It may not be big and loud and brash, but it's set like a flint. And so that zeal can play out in different ways in different people's lives. But it has to happen here first. Woo! That can be faked. I didn't really mean that one. But it was loud. But if I've got it set here in my heart, man, I'm going after it. We're getting after this. And you're coming with me, and you're coming with me, and you're coming with me, and you're coming with me. We're all going. Get in line. If you're not coming, get out of the way or we're going to run you over. That's zeal. That's what this church needs. That's what these Philadelphian partnerships need. Hey, we're trying to reach the world for Christ. We're trying to get the gospel to the world. We're trying to make disciples. We're trying to bring maximum glory to our Lord and Savior. Get in line. Let's go. Zeal. He says, if you're not there, repent and get in line. That's all that this life is about. One last thing and we'll be done. Look at verse 8. And when he had taken the book, I'm in the wrong chapter, sorry. Verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. You see that? The Philadelphian church is a church of the open door it's a church of the open door opportunities abound. look at this list through July 21,089 scriptures in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 14 different projects you know what those 14 projects are? they're open doors hey we need Bibles can you help us out? you bet we can what do you need? it's an open door Bearing precious seed needs a press. Oh, by some uh, I think it was sword of the Lord was getting rid of their press, right? Hey, you guys need this press? Yeah, but we can't really afford it. Okay, we'll give it for this price. Open door. God just opens. If you're ready, if you're zealous, you're in line, you're not lukewarm, and you're going, God starts opening doors. He starts providing. He has this unbelievable knack for hooking up prepared saints with prepared sinners. And he gets... The job done through the Philadelphian partnerships. The story of Mike and Liz Shore, it's been one open door after door after door after door. They're on the brink of needing a semi to start hauling their scripture. They started with a little 12-foot enclosed trailer. Open door, open door, open door. You say, well, I could never do that. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. Some of you know Mike and Liz, Shore. Most of you probably don't. Liz, Liz was a stay-at-home mom. Mike worked in the elevator trade. He didn't go to seminary. And Mike, by his own admission, would tell you he's not a preacher. But you know what he's doing? He's taking what he's got, his little strength, and he's using it for God's glory. And you could do the same. That doesn't necessarily mean you've got to quit your job or Start hauling scriptures all over the country or uh, go be a missionary somewhere else. Maybe it does. I don't want to dismiss that. But whatever you got, if you give it to God, he'll use it for his glory. Say, I don't bring much. Good. Because he's a big God and he can do a lot through a little. Now notice the church at Laodicea in verse 20. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And we'll be finished. Check this out. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why is he knocking? Because the door is closed. Philadelphia is the church of the open door. Laodicea is the church of the closed door. And Jesus is on the wrong side of the door. And he's standing at the door. Anybody home? Notice what he says. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I think this evening, for some of us here in the room, God's doing this. You in there? You listening? Can I come in? And maybe for years you've been standing there at the doorknob pulling so he can't get it open. But tonight's the night when you just need to open the door. Open the door and let him in. Let him come in. Let him come in. And fellowship with you. And help you to move from that place of Laodicea to the place of Philadelphia. Let God do that in your life. And and I I, I know to a large extent I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I get that. You guys are faithful. You're here on a Monday night. You've been working all day, putting Bibles together. You spend hours and hours. You give thousands and thousands of dollars. I get that. I get that. But no matter where we are, no matter where we are in the faithfulness spectrum, whether we're just a little faithful or we're as faithful as we can possibly be, we can always get better. There's always another room that we can let him into. There's always another area of our life that we can surrender to the Lord. Say, Lord, here, I've been holding this back. You can have it now. I don't want it anymore. And when you open that door to Him, He starts to open doors in your life. This church is a blessing. And it's a blessing because it's filled with men and women who are Philadelphian believers, who desire to follow Christ, to see Him glorified by the spreading of and preaching of the gospel and the making of disciples. but there are also a few Laodicean believers in here. And it's time to repent. I can't say it any more plainly. And when we do and we open the door, guess what? He says, he said, "I'll come in and I'll have dinner with you." It's good. He's not going to beat you about the face and neck. He's going to sit down and let's let's fellowship. but it's on you. Are you going to open? Or are you not? will not you bow your heads with me? I'm going to have Pastor Brian come on up. Bow your heads. Just be talking with the Lord about that and what He would have you to do with the things we've talked about tonight, and I'll let Pastor Brian close it out.
0: With every head bowed and every eye closed as we consider what we've heard tonight, Man what a good and appropriate word God has spoken and perhaps there's an action right that that you notice that you know God can open any door he chooses but he's waiting for us in the church to open that door and uh, if you're here tonight and God's doing a work in your heart man just let him in just I just want to reiterate everything Pastor Brad said man just let him do his work this morning in my daily reading i was just in first john and you know the bible tells us that if if we say we have no sin we lie and deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us you know one of the things that we've got to do to see that zeal to see that that philadelphian spirit that that love for god that we need so we can have a love for others is we've got to open the door and i promise you today if you are not opening the door of god's word daily and spending time with him personally that's where you got. That's where I gotta start. That's where you gotta start. If we deceive ourselves and say, "Yeah, but I'm busy. Yeah, but yeah, but," there's no "yeah buts." The word has to be first in our life. We've titled the ministry "Word First. And yet what a hypo- hypocrisy would it be if the word's not first in our life? You know, we gotta we gotta make it real with us before we give it to everybody else. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're here tonight and you're like Brian, I, I need. To get that, I need to get something right in my life. I just need some prayer, man. We're here to pray for you. Amen. Some people need to move, right? Be zealous, therefore, and repent. You don't have to walk an aisle. You can just do it right where you're at. You can. But at the end of the day, man, I'm praying for you. Anybody else say, hey, Brian, I just need some prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's let God have us tonight. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer just for a minute. We're not going to exit, but you need to move around a little bit. And as we stand here in in an attitude of prayer Heavenly father, I want to pray for those that had lifted hands Lord, I want to pray for maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know jesus as lord and savior lord I pray today would be the day that they would come to the knowledge of jesus christ as our lord and savior Lord, I pray that they would find somebody here who loves them and can share the gospel with them And lord, I want to pray especially for these that, that raised their hand and said hey lord there's something i'm I'm holding back there's a door a closet you know that is is closed oh heavenly father i pray that we would prioritize your word in our life we'd meditate upon it that we give ourselves wholly to it that we wouldn't lie to ourselves lord with the beautiful thing about the next chapter of first john if any man do sin and we all do we have an advocate with the father jesus christ lord he is our righteousness he's the son of god his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness that's why heavenly father we're not beat up because he's already been beat up oh lord i pray our hearts would just be gracious and thankful and lord that we wouldn't be full of ourselves lord that we would not be loving ourselves but lord we'd be loving you we'd be loving others we are not second we're last oh heavenly father i pray god that you would uh, just use what we've heard today both in the luncheon and this evening lord that it would settle down in our hearts Lord, that we would give ourselves wholly to it. They it would produce fruit and much fruit and fruit that remains. Lord, I pray, God, that you would energize us even tonight in the work that is left for us to do. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that uh, the decisions that need to be made in our personal lives, Lord, to be Philadelphian would be made even now. And Lord, that those would be visibly uh, altering our life in, in not what we say, but in who we really are. Help Help us to look more like you as we leave here tonight. We thank you and praise you for the word that has been given. And, Lord, we thank you for just this day. It's been a wonderful day uh, as we have circulated and and been a part of assembling your word for your honor, for your glory, for your kingdom. We thank you, Lord. We love you uh, because you first loved us. And we ask your blessing now on every decision that's been made and, uh, Lord, every need that that is in this room. Lord, we ask your provision and protection and, and providential power be upon these saints to accomplish your mission your power for your glory we thank you and we ask this in jesus name amen amen you may be seated we got a little bit one little bit of uh one more thing to to do before we're finished up here man brother thank you for that message that was a good word and uh i know this is monday night we probably don't have a lot of lost folks here of any but if you don't know jesus as lord and savior man seek me out uh, talk to me talk to somebody i brought you we will get you connected and directed directly to the lord jesus tonight you can know from the bible how you can have eternal life uh bob i think bob is going to come and give us the final instructions and get us on the road and uh man i'm excited about all god has for us yet tonight we got to get some business done don't we bob all right brother get us on the road
2: all right great message but how many of you have seen boxes on our stage just piled high how many of you all right a lot of you so you know we got a lot of work to go don't you so uh, we have a lot of work yet to finish tonight, and then the next two days, so come and be a part of that. so tonight we you know you can come out in front and do collating, you can do rolling, you can do checking. How many of you know where the binding rooms are? Thank you for volunteering they're right over here. so uh, you can come there to the binding rooms you can go out and back and and see if we're trimming. Uh, but there's a lot of work to be done, and appreciate you being here and we want to we want to be a Philadelphian Christian and a Philadelphian church and a Philadelphian ministry, so uh, pay attention to that. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll be dismissed to get some more work done. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us, and Lord, I just pray that we would keep your word in our, in our heart, would keep it in, in our hand and in our mouth, and that not, not only that, Lord, that everything we do, your word would, uh, would, be, cent- it would be centered around your word, Lord. So we pray for... Uh, these New Testaments as they go out to the, to the, uh, the Ukraine and to be used by, by you and your servants there and we just pray that not only that but the Bibles that come through here would be used by, and to glorify your Son Jesus Christ and Lord, we just are thankful that you've put us in charge of that and we're a part of that. So we just ask your blessing upon that tonight and the rest of the week here and in Christ's name we pray. Amen.